All right. Merry Christmas, guys. Um, Merry Christmas. I feel like I always have to do this just in case people are coming in for the first time, but I am here with my my two regular holiday guests on the podcast, co-hosts one and two. Uh, so this time we'll go in order of, uh, well, we'll do Mike and then Brett. Mike, talk for a minute so everybody knows your voice and say hello. Ho, ho, ho. I'm the Santa Claus member of <laughs> your yearly Christmas shows uh, with my little elf, Brett Hayden. <laughs> doing a visual <laughs> thing that is going to translate face. Yeah, yeah so well for the podcast yeah, Brett he's, did a really cute gesture that none of you will ever see he's my little Hermie who wants to be a dentist instead of making <laughs> toys he's our little gay coated elf with blonde hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah welcome back uh, Brett thank you for having me guys good to see you both <laughs> it's good to see you both too I sincerely mean that I uh I love our Halloween and Christmas episodes together. Yeah, I found, I mean, this is year, I'm coming up on the fifth anniversary of this podcast, I think. And I, I've i realized one of the best parts is at this point, I kind of have multiple small podcasts within this one where <laughs> like there's the recurring guests like i have my you know yearly wrap-ups within degwood and aiden and then i have my horror movie stuff with Braden, and then there's uh various holiday lists i do with you guys and then occasionally there's war stuff with louis that's the uh (laughs) (laughs) the the various running podcasts all under the umbrella of one one larger uh conglomerate which is we are movies so yeah um, but this is it's perfect Yes, and I love doing it. That's the whole reason it becomes a series is I would not keep doing this if I didn't love doing it. And um, per usual, we pitched this episode during the last time we were on together is pretty much how it always happens. But uh, we're talking Christmas movies today and and, and specifically actors who have appeared in Christmas movies, non-Santa Claus ones. These The topics of these episodes will continue to get more and more specific with every passing year. Um, So we still have material to to go over but real briefly um mike and brett what gets you guys in the christmas spirit i'll let mike start oh geez i i was hoping i would have a second to come up with something other than um my kids uh you know it, it really is now that i'm a dad my kids i uh i love this uh Last night we watched the Rankin and Bass uh, oh, Rudolph, and um, I love those. He was really into it. He got a little scared by uh, Bumble, the abominable snowman with the sharp yeah. teeth, and um, but he he was in for the entire thing, and it's an hour long, and uh, I was really really happy that I got to have a Christmas first with him, and. Uh, yeah, I, I really like it quite a bit. Um, we have a train that goes around our Christmas tree because he's really into trains. And somewhere between last year and this year, I lost two of the curved pieces of the track. So I had to pay way too much money on eBay to buy those. But they showed up this week and we set up the train and he's super happy. And I uh, I get it, man. This is pretty cool. That is, I, I think, has to be 
specifically this thing like i know one of the biggest joys of raising kids is showing them movies but specifically for me what would have to be really exciting is showing them rank and bass cartoons because that's something yes that just becomes so important if you're indoctrinated at a young age and uh i i'd love those movies if you if if you show them santa claus is coming to town let let me know because that's one of my that's probably my favorite one yeah and and what's neat too is i honestly haven't watched them in years and years and years and seeing them with today's technology on a a really large high def television just seeing how handmade they are like the eyes in Rudolph and Clarice and all the reindeers look like they're hand painted and just, you know, seeing little things like that really made me appreciate them on a deeper level this year. Yeah. Yeah. And even noticing flaws or noticing wonky aspects. That's part of what's so charming and wonderful about those, you know? Yep. Um, Speaking of charming and wonderful, Brett, uh, <laughs> nice segue and, and imperfect uh <laughs> Brad, what, what, what's what's been getting you into the christmas spirit uh i like gift giving so yeah. i've it's like even when i was little i always kind of like i don't know there's something about like an element of surprise oh yeah have you watched it <laughs> Uh, not yet. No, I'm just holding up for viewers at home. Brett last night gave me a Blu-ray copy of Near Dark uh, as a gift. Oh! Very rare Blu-ray. Um, wow. So you're you're doing a great job, Brett. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do-, I, I do have to say being on the receiving end of gifts, plural from you. You are a fantastic gift giver. You are. Uh, Mike, I'm going to feel like an asshole. What have I gifted you? I know I've given you, stuff, <laughs> but I don't remember in detail. You have given me a um, They Live pin. You've also given me Repo Man Criterion Collection. Oh, when I was me, giving those away. Yeah, yeah, I remember yep, that. You gave me Dial M for Murder. And you gave me the Film Noir book. And last Christmas when we were all here with, uh, I think it was, you were here with Benji. We were recording uh, in person uh brett brought us those uh criterions that he got us i have uh, only angels have wings oh yeah 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 you're right yep yeah oh I, yeah i think i looked for like the two most obscure ones i could find to make sure neither of you had it but it was still like <laughs> yep. still new are uh, yeah well no, i can tell I, uh, you i can tell I, you're a great gift giver and that it's something you enjoy because you're not like a gift card guy you're like uh i'm gonna get you something that i know is something important to you and us kind of well yeah it's like it's like the thing the benefit of giving you something like near dark is i know because i we've on and off i've mentioned like have you seen it have you and then for you to not see something blows my mind (laughs) wait you haven't seen it no not yet oh wow i've i've known of it for so long it's so rare like this is a very rare copy and it's not streaming anywhere so yeah Yeah. Yeah. very short backstory it was like 30 dollars on amazon and it wasn't you know how sometimes when a movie's on sale on amazon it'll have a listing of like all the different places you could buy it from or stores Mm. some guy literally like took a terrible picture with his phone of it and i found that in the search results and it was 30 dollars. and i was like i had to double check that it was like the region free or like the region a one and yeah so i got it like two days later and i was shocked because i went on ebay the next day and i think it goes for anywhere from like 75 to like 200 dollars on ebay yeah so yeah. I was like, all right i'm this this might be the cheapest i can get it for right now so i might as well just and 
before people think I'm a nice guy, I just uh, had not donated to the double feature in like three months. So <laughs> I had to pay it forward okay. somehow. It more than makes up for it. Yeah. Well, it good to know. streamed for like one month this year because someone had suggested it for me and Allison to watch when we were doing our podcast. And I was all set up to watch it. And then uh, when I went to watch it, it was gone again. So it was uh, on Shutter for like two months, I think. Okay, yeah. Shutter will do that occasionally, like with that or like Ghost Watch. They'll, they'll like put up something that isn't available anywhere for a month or two, and then it's gone forever again. You're like, wait, so you admit somebody has it? Like that's what right. <laughs> freaks me out. I'm like, if if it's not lost media, there's no excuse for it not to be available somewhere. Yeah, George Romero's Martin. I don't remember where it was streaming, but it was somewhere for like yeah. a few months, and I was stoked, mm-hmm. and then it disappeared. I just got the 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 4K of George Romero's Martin a few months ago, and oh. I, for the record, that is something I've been keeping up with since my freshman year of college because that's always been one of my favorite movies. And Second Sight announced they were releasing that, and they were in just so many like there were like rights wars and there was stuff that halted the restoration and it was just something I kept holding out on. And then once it finally like went up for sale and I ordered it and I got it, I had to send a picture of it to my old roommate because he was there with me from the beginning, like (laughs) in that, that odyssey, you know, I remember renting that on videotape, riding my bike to the video store. And when it became one of the notoriously hard to find movies, I always wore that as a badge of honor. Like, well, I rented that on VHS. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, the, the the VHS badge of honor is important. Uh, any, it's always a badge of honor when it's. I watched this movie. You can watch in good quality, in very bad quality at one time. I think. Yes. <laughs> so, did uh, you end up enjoying Martin? Oh yeah, and I'd seen okay. it many times, but it's the okay. best it's ever looked. And and actually, it's the first time I've seen it in the proper aspect ratio because I used to have an old DVD of it that was um, cropped to be a wider screen, even though it wasn't filmed that way. And it would cut off important things. Like there's a part where a guy gets stabbed in the throat, and you just don't see it. It's like below oh. the frame. And so I finally got to see the tom savini blood effects when he got stabbed in the throat and i was like wonderful um yeah so i uh, anyway don't know quite how to transition out of that but we're talking about actors. blood is red and one of the christmas colors is red yeah. and yes. green <laughs> there you go <laughs> i um i i think it's interesting that the more than any holiday yeah i guess to some extent halloween but i feel like so much of american culture around Christmas is defined by movies. Like if you look at things that are, um, you know, like uh, there's ugly Christmas sweaters with quotes from Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, just like at Meyer, you know, or uh, Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, or like for so many regular people, they they watch all the Hallmark movies throughout the month or something, and it is such a defining part of Christmas for us. Uh, so today, um, something that I think. You know, there there are Christmas stars within that Hallmark world. There's the, uh, what's her name? Cameron Candace, Candace Cameron, <laughs> and those, <laughs> those people. Uh, but um, I assume she's not going to be on any of our lists. Uh, but um, we're talking today about some of our favorite performances by actors in Christmas movies. Mike, you're about to say something. Is Candace Cameron Burr on your list? Uh, actually... 
all of my movies are only from that alt-right Christian Hallmark <laughs> knockoff. Is that the Kirk Cameron one or the there's so many? Um, well, I mean, obviously you aren't as familiar with that library as you should be. No, you're and right. You consider yourself a film buff, but you know, I, I guess you're into your <laughs> only your liberal media. Um right. I am uh born again and uh <laughs> very staunch uh right wing now. So uh, all of my movies only have straight white people in them. Yeah, yeah. I, I no, I'd be up for. I would. I'd do a full grift. I would do uh, um, right wing Christmas movies like Jim Caviezel and Sound of Reindeer or something. Or uh... we ought to really challenge ourselves next year and like do something like um, for Halloween, the Hulu Halloween movies. Like try to find a couple each that are actually good. And then try to find like Christmas movies on Hallmark that are actually good. I don't think I could. I don't think I could actually watch preachy right wing Christian. That that would be true archaeology. I mean, if we did, it would have to be like a watch along or something. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, as far as uh, somewhat you know right wing fringe media Christmas films go, Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas is a very funny thing to watch with friends is it really oh okay yeah, oh yeah funny like intentionally funny and in no way- not at all oh, okay. Not okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> i don't think so i don't know if kirk has that self-awareness um oh, probably but I, I the random order i'm going with today is how about uh, you go first you've never gone first on one of these i was actually gonna say i'm gonna go first but uh okay yeah, but thank you for saying that so it didn't seem like i was putting myself first uh my uh, so we're doing a top three, top three actors uh, who have given performances in a Christmas film, and then after all of this, we're each going to pitch an actor uh, that should be in a Christmas film, and we're going to kind of come up with a, a an elevator pitch together for what that that movie would be. So, uh, my number three for a performance in a Christmas film, um, and this is a, a film I actually talked about on your podcast, Mike, a couple years ago. Uh, and that is Samuel L. Jackson in The Long Kiss Goodnight, um, which is a, a Christmas tradition for me. I watch it every single year. It's a great 90s action movie written by Shane Black, the, the possibly the king of Christmas films in my book. Yes. Um, and uh, directed by Rennie Harlan. And it's I always pitch it to people. I say that it's... Uh, um it's if jason Bourne was a housewife kind of (laughs) is the setup and so gina davis is our main character and she has to in order to find out about her past uh working for the cia she has to team up with a private detective um who is played by samuel jackson and this fun fact is actually sam jackson's favorite role that he's ever played really um Yes, uh, I remember him talking about it on, uh, God, he was talking about it on uh, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Fallon asked him, what are your top five Sam Jackson characters? And he was listing off like, oh, well, Mace Windu. And everyone's like, woo! And he's like, Nick Fury. And they're like, woo! And he's like, listen to his Quentin Tarantino characters. And they're all cheering. And then he's like, number one has got to be Mitch Hennessy from The Long Kiss Goodnight. And the whole audience is like, Huh? Like there's just a, a collective like I yeah I don't know if I know and like Fallon doesn't even really know what he's talking about but it's uh he's such a fun character he it, you know rattles off the Shane Di- Shane Black dialogue like no one's business uh he's a low life character with a beautiful arc 
uh, by the end of it, uh, just like as a supporting character has the greatest arc in the whole movie about just like wanting to do something right for the first time in his life. And I think it's the quintessential Sam Jackson role in my, in my opinion. That's awesome. I love it. You guys have both seen the movie, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm going to blow your mind and I'm a Shane Black fan. No. Wow. Wow. Here's here's the here's the kicker though. Uh my girlfriend and I keep a disco ball, like a, a hollowed one with a bunch of movies we haven't seen together, and that's in the list. So okay. we are okay. aware of it. Cause I showed her the nice guys. I still have to show her Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh oh. movies that totally do not exist. Let's pretend I didn't say that. But uh <laughs> yeah. No, for that to kind of still slip on. And I'm aware of, like, you know, the Christmas elements of it. So maybe that's why I've held off. But, uh, you know, an endorsement from someone like yourselves definitely goes a long way with someone like me. And also Shane Black dialogue is my favorite dialogue. Are you yes. able to cheat with the disco ball? And maybe because it's the Christmas season, <laughs> pull that one to the uh, top or no well what we're trying to do is so without you know veering off too much we do have a list of christmas movies we plan to watch together i okay. want to show her the first two uh because these are about santa claus so i don't think i'm going to spoil anything uh i have to show her the first two silent night deadly nights and then uh her and i together are going to watch christmas evil for the first time nice yes it's one of my so, favorites yeah, so looking forward to that, and I think I can somehow squeeze in, you know, one more movie to that list. I, I will say, as as far as Christmas movies go, and I know Shane Black is known for infusing Christmas into a lot of his scripts. I think The Long Kiss Goodnight is easily the Christmasiest of them all because it takes place in the Midwest, so it's really snowy, and the Christmas aspect just like has a bigger impact i think on the movie than some of his other movies which are like i love kiss kiss bang bang and the nice guys and lethal weapon and all that stuff but yeah it's it's one that i think it's the most prominent and it feels it's easier yeah. to sell as a christmas movie than die hard to some people <laughs> yes yeah, it's like yeah. uh, a lot of christmas elements are just kind of in the background like he just wants christmas to be a part of the movie without directly acknowledging it it seems like yeah there's a great quote for him talking about how he uses christmas and and he talks about how it's like christmas is a great backdrop because people are more reflective on their life lonely people are lonelier like he, he kind of talks about it as a sense of atmosphere and how that always you know helps his characters and and i think that like it works so well where it's like lethal weapon is this christmas movie and um Mel Gibson's character, you know, Martin Riggs is so lonely and he's mourning his wife. And part of that ending of him showing up at Christmas dinner with Murtaugh is so meaningful to the arc that he has, you know? Yeah. Um, I do so. know it's like that highlighted contrast of like, you know, it's pretty and like festive and the lights and all that. And then people are just like, you know, at their lowest, they're saddest, <laughs> they're most depressed. So it yeah. really does kind of highlight it by contrast. Exactly. So, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brett, how about you go next? What's your right. who's your first choice? I'm about to be give you the most generic answers, but I'm going with my childhood when it comes to Christmas movies. I'm going Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Easy. Which I have nice. not seen. Really? No. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to honestly say. I think the movie is good. I think there's a lot of things they could have done better, but Jim Carrey's performance makes that movie. Yeah. I can't picture another human being playing the Grinch. No, 
I mean, some would argue a human being shouldn't play the Grinch. And so Jim Carrey is the closest thing you can get <laughs> to not a human being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just everything about what I envision the Grinch to be, just this curmudgeon-y old, like bitter guy who's kind of isolated himself from society, but is still so silly. Yeah. I like I can't picture like and I didn't even know in the craziest part, I didn't know it was Jim Carrey until I was a teenager. Hmm. Huh. So I just kind of assumed like I kind of just like a lot of actors, unless they were just playing like regular human beings, like I didn't know who played what. So for me to find out, you know, years later, this over the top comedic actor played this role and I couldn't even tell it was him right away. I mean, maybe that says I'm just dumb, but like, you know, I think like around Christmas time, I think a lot of movies get a pass just for being, you know, over the top and silly or like melodramatic, whatever you want to say. But I think he does a good job of being, you know, this sympathetic character, but is still, you know, so funny and so cheery when he needs to be. And whenever things mm -hmm. get too serious, he still, you know, has a joke or a quip. And, you know, yeah. fast forward. And there are there are long scenes in that movie that are so dependent on him just having chemistry with the dog, you know, yeah. like uh, where he has to carry those long scenes alone. Yeah, where it's just basically like that relatable thing of being like lonely and just talking to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I watched that's a yearly watch in my household. So Right. I, I it's I definitely see that as a trend with because you're Brett, you're about five years older than me. I think yes. your age range specifically, the Jim Carrey Grinch seems to be like a huge part of that because we're kind of the same generation, but just a little bit older than me generation. I think uh, it's because you all just saw it at the right time. I think yeah, Tanner Oliver and I were basically best friends. We watched that every year together. Nice. Oh, cute little friend thing. We still do. Yeah. I don't know, since I haven't seen it, I don't know if Whoville it was shot in a soundstage or if it was shot outside. But if it was shot outside where it at least currently exists, uh, the other side of it is the Bates Motel from Psycho. Huh. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. So if you do the tram tour, you see the Bates Motel and then you see the Psycho house and then you round the corner and the backside of the Bates Motel, Whoville. Whoa. Have you been there, Mike? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. No, I many, my many, understanding many is um I believe the clumps was being shot right next door, so maybe it was a soundstage. <laughs> okay. Because there was a photo that went around of uh it's Jim Carrey as the Grinch posing with Eddie Murphy as Sherman Clump. Oh my god. Great photo, because they're both in just this ridiculous, you know, costume slash makeup. Wow. And uh yeah, no. Childhood. That's a clash of titans. All you need then is uh, Martin Lawrence's Big Mama. Then you got the trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, who's your first choice today? Well, I'm scared that I'm going to steal your thunder. Uh, I would be remiss if we did not mention the original 1908 A Christmas Carol starring Tom Ricketts as Ebenezer Scrooge. It's a 15 minute silent picture. No, oh, you're I, fucking that, with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I yeah, was yeah. like, <laughs> you had me for, I was, I was waiting for the, yeah. the drop. Okay. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> a, rare exports. Uh, Oni Tamila, Tamila, yeah. Oni Tamila, the kid, yeah. uh, he, you know, leads this really bizarre horror action comedy 
uh, that he's just basically thrown into because his dad and uncle made a really successful short film that he was only six years old when they shot the rare export short. And I'm yeah. like, that that's still magic of Christmas age. So like that must have been really messed up for that kid to be like, OK, now Santa Claus is, you know, zombie cannibal monsters and uh, <laughs> no, not your Santa Claus, but, you know, you know, and uh, when they get to do a big like full length movie version because the short was so successful they chose him to lead it yeah essentially you know he's the leading man and he's only like 10 years old when this was shot and uh he, he is great in it uh so great that when they ended up making uh the big game with samuel l jackson yeah uh, a few years later um he ends up being the lead in that and that movie i haven't seen it but it seems to be like uh escape from new york finland but yeah i've seen lots over the o in new york on that one <laughs> uh it, it alex garland is one of the uh producers on uh big game oh no kidding i didn't know yeah. that yeah yeah big game is a lot of fun it's it's an air force one type of riff Kind yeah. of is what I call it. Yeah. But uh, no, that kid, Ani Tamala or Ani Tamila, he's yeah, he's incredible. And uh, Rare Exports in the annals of the what's surprisingly a huge subgenre of killer Santa movies is one of the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's wonderful in that. It's, it's a really bizarre movie that is so many different things. And, you know, there's yeah. an E.T. aspect to it where he almost, you know, it has the same charm as like Henry Thomas did and ET, but you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, he does a really great job of carrying a movie. Well, and, and, uh, and he, he grounds that movie in a sincerity that yes. makes it not the usual sort of cynical Christmas horror movie. You know, like if you think of like a silent night, deadly night or, or, or that one with Bill Goldberg, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, like those are all kind right. of a joke. Yeah. Santa's sleigh. Right. But uh, no, that one, it, it still kind of works as like a kid's adventure movie as well mm. as, you know, a horror movie. And, you know, just like the third act when it turns into a full blown action movie, just yeah. some of the things that he gets to do dream come true for a kid. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it, I, uh, really wanted to include it because it's a movie that I wish more people would see. Um, you know, obviously film nerds like us have seen it, but I uh, haven't. Oh God. <laughs> this is why oh, I like hanging out with you guys. You, you guys point out these gems and I can just sit back and listen. I feel <laughs> like we mention it every year. We do. Yeah. Well, now I got a girlfriend who wants to watch movies all the time. So I'm like, Oh, I have no oh. excuse. Yeah, the be the best kinds of girlfriends. Yeah, um, yeah. love you, <laughs> Uh So my next choice is uh, going to be a pretty standard pick, uh, but it's one that's important to me and and a performance that, like all the times this character has been portrayed, this is the one that sticks out to me the most. Uh, the nineteen fifty one version of A Christmas Carol uh starring and I'm, I'm not doing a joke this time uh like no. <laughs> uh starring alistair sim as ebenezer scrooge who uh i think had a history as more of a comedic actor 
and that's part of what makes his performance in this movie so great is he's so like he's over the top and he's a little comedic in like his fear of the ghosts but then also when you ultimately get to his redemption the pure joy that he elicits is so contagious and there's this amazing scene when he's talking to bob cratchit at the end which i think kind of just fully brings out how wonderful his performances is when he's has he's pretending to be mean still and he's like we won't beat around the bush my old friend you've left me no option but to raise your salary and then like uh cratchit kind of stares at him and then he just starts laughing like almost maniacally just this like <laughs> and, he, and he's like trying to hold it back and he's like pointing at him and like i got you and it's uh it's just yeah it's it's the type of performance they just don't put in movies anymore um where we're so obsessed with realism now that sometimes like full expressionism can be so you know infectious and uh still moving to watch and so uh and then also the scene when he um he uh watches the death of his sister again fan is like i cry every single time i watch that movie every year and the scene always like gets me choked up so uh, i don't know if you guys have seen this specific version yes. of a christmas yes. carol but it's my favorite that okay that was going to be my question if that was not only your favorite portrayal of scrooge but your favorite version of a christmas carol that's awesome yeah yeah to add to your point though johnny i do think back then just i mean i'm pointing out the obvious here but a lot of movies back then did kind of fe- like cut like play out like stage plays yeah. So I think that over the topness just kind of made sense, especially then. And I do think there's a place for it now. I just don't think a lot of people view it as, I guess, you know, realistic by today's standards. Yeah. Fortunate because like most of my favorite, a lot of my favorite movies kind of play out like stage plays. Like, yeah. 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 My yeah, friend Martin- Heath and I talk about this all the time that it's like a movie, like, realism doesn't automatically mean good you know yeah, it Mark depends McDonough, on the thing. all his movies like he used to be a playwright yeah so like and for him to translate that to these incredible movies i'm not gonna say which but like you know they <laughs> yeah i don't know just worth mentioning i guess yeah yeah, yeah i agree glad, i'm glad you guys have both seen it it's uh i feel like when you mention a christmas carol most people it's like i think the george c scott version comes up a lot uh which is also a good one uh but it's like that or like one of the various animated ones or the muppets <laughs> or something my my dad would have a thing where he would if there was like something that he really liked an actor in he had a hard time with something else and i feel like my dad liked Patton so much that he was mm. kind of dismissive of the george c scott a christmas carol <laughs> but because that 50s version would have been the version my dad grew up on that was the one that i grew up on as a kid too nice. so yeah yeah we all have our version i guess that we mm. yeah I, I mean my my favorite version is the muppet version but yeah yeah well michael kane is also unironically just fantastic as the character too like yeah. you take the muppets out of it he's a great scrooge oh yeah i i remember um I just listened to a podcast about it when uh, he told Brian Henson, he's like, I'm going to play this completely straight and not wink to the camera at all. Yeah. And Brian Henson was like, yeah, awesome. Let's get that. And that was like, like it didn't get great reviews 
And that was like one of the complaints, I think, from either Siskel or Ebert that they're like, man, it's like Michael Caine doesn't know what movie he's in. He's like, no, I, I think yeah. he got that wrong. I think he does know. Exactly yeah, he fully knew what movie he was in. It, it's the same effect of like Leslie Nielsen in Airplane, you know, like. Yeah. You don't by playing it straight. That's what enhances the comedy. And it's like the Muppets are so silly. If if Scrooge was also silly, then what are we doing here? Right? right. <laughs> like it's the juxtaposition that that makes them funny. So, yeah. uh, Brett, your second choice. My second choice is Olivia Hussey in the original Black mm-hmm. Christmas. Great choice. Yeah. Yeah, so I love Black Christmas. That's also a regular rewatch for me. Just not even just Christmas time. I I watch that movie a couple times a year, I feel like. Um, The thing about her performance specifically that I seem to gravitate towards is she's just got a very sympathetic face. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just her accent, too. Yeah. I've even got my girlfriend, anytime she answers the phone, to just go, hello? (laughs) Just this very just innocent, soft, sort of sweet voice. And, you know, it's not just like a surface level, you know, these sorority girls are getting killed off. She's got quite, you know, a lot of like on her plate, you know, with uh, this pregnancy and what she wants to do with it. Yeah. You know, there's this mystery surrounding like who the killer is and like her boyfriend is like in question, you know. So there's just a lot of things happening at once. And people kind of forget like this was one of the first slasher movies maybe the first major slasher movie by bob clark and when i look back on that movie i watched it again recently and i realize why a lot of like what keeps that movie together i think is olivia hussey's like lead performance in that like there's a lot of great performances in there but i think that's the one that i looking back on it the one that stands out the most to me yeah yeah i agree she's like my personal favorite in that movie is margot kidder uh but I think uh, Olivia Hussey just like she ties it all down and she's so grounded and and you're right since it was pre the slasher movie right it's the proto slasher and the slasher hadn't become like sort of a tired formula at that point she's treating it very seriously it's just like a serious movie that she's in and um there's no idea of what the trope of the final girl is and so there's aspects of her that we think of when we think of the final girl but she's also just a very fleshed out and like you said complicated character in her own right even without the slasher movie happening around her yeah i will say margot kidder is the funniest person in that movie yeah by a mile she's incredible singers like in the 70s Uh, (laughs) yeah i definitely think she was a great contrast to olivia hussey's character so i she is yeah there's a lot of genres that are actually going on in this movie beyond just horror like there is a lot of comedy elements throughout when when margot kidder's really drunk and she's talking to the father who lost his daughter (laughs) it's one of the best scenes in the movie or when the father's on the phone and she's just like giving this little kid a beer (laughs) yeah yeah. so indifferent to like just like what are these girls doing when i'm not here yeah yeah i feel really bad that black christmas has come up multiple times while we've done these episodes and i still have not seen it and Mm. i plan to remedy that tonight do it do it do it yeah you guys have meant you guys have both mentioned it enough times that it's criminal that i haven't seen it yet yeah yeah do a double feature mike do that in a christmas story do your bob clark double feature yeah 
how how god i can't wait till you get to be my age <laughs> double feature please <laughs> i'm gonna be lucky if i get through one movie without falling asleep <laughs> yeah yeah when we think about taking advantage of our youth it's 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 sitting on the couch and watching as many movies as we can god, yeah those were the good <laughs> old days <laughs> I mean, I'm glad oh. as I've aged, that's something I still like to do and look forward to doing. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then comedy sometimes, but mostly yeah, it's But I'm doing movies. that twice tonight, and I'm not even, <laughs> I'm like, I'd rather be podcasting right now. Uh, Mike, what's your uh, number two choice? Well, I had a segue into this either from you talking about a Christmas carol Um or uh black christmas and brett kind of buried the lead so i'm going to just jump into it it's uh bob clark's a christmas story uh darren mcgavin specifically oh yeah uh, you know at the studio at one point in time wanted jack nicholson and i can't imagine anyone else as the old man other than darren mcgavin he is the perfect grumpy dad he manages to be just an angry grouch throughout the entire movie with the exception of a little bit on Christmas morning when he shows some genuine warmth, but there's still something about him that makes you love him yeah. the entire time. And he's just so, I, I I don't know what it is. If it's um the fact that he's an old dad, which at first I was like, well, I had an old dad, and then I did the math. Um, Darren McGavin's only like forty eight or forty nine years older than <laughs> Peter Billingsley, so um he's an old dad in the same way I'm an old dad. My dad was only thirty four years older than me, but my dad went prematurely gray, uh, like yeah. I have. Well, I guess not hitting gray until my late 40s wasn't premature. But anyway, it still feels premature because in my heart, I'm <laughs> as young as you guys. Um, but yeah, Darren McGavin, I would love to be the dad on the Bluey cartoon, but I realize the dad I really am is the old man in A Christmas Carol. And <laughs> um, yeah, I just I love Darren McGavin so much. I love that they honored him a bit in uh, not. I said a Christmas Carol, a Christmas story. I love that they honored him in a Christmas story Christmas. Yeah. And, Surprisingly um, good movie. That sequel. Yeah. Oh, I love that yeah. movie. Um, yeah. I have an honorable mention from that movie. So, uh, mm. yeah, I Darren McGavin, uh, both parents, Melinda Dillon, who we lost yeah. this year, is a wonderful mom, too. But. I've seen her play wonderful moms in, you know, close encounters, but yeah. man, Darren McGavin is somehow as curmudgeonly as he is in my book. He is the heart of a Christmas story. It's interesting. You said that Nicholson was originally approached. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, I guess they were trying to look for a name and yep. Darren McGavin, I mean, he had already been like he had been Kochak, right? Like he was a sort of a well-known character actor, right? Yeah, but he wasn't like a film star like Nicholson was. Right. He was a TV guy more than anything. Yeah. Um, and uh I he has lines in that movie 
that are like his delivery is burned into my brain. I think about like uh sons of bitches, bumpuses, like after the, the <laughs> yep. dogs run through or after the leg lamp shatters, and he's like, You used all the glue on purpose. Like it, it's it's an angry dad, but not just an angry dad, he's an angry dad through the recollection of a child's eyes, you know? Yes. When you think about how the entire movie is like Gene Shepherd's recollection of what it was like from his perspective he's this it's another example of sort of you know an expressionistic take he's 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 a little more over the top than a realistic grumpy dad because it's how a child would remember his dad you know yeah i am so surprised too that gene shepherd even though he has a cameo in the movie and narrates the movie was not a particularly big fan of the movie. And that that kind of bummed me out because, oh. uh, yeah, uh, he thought it was a little too schmaltzy. And sure. uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, it, it uh, is it is schmaltzier than his writing is. But at the same time, I think in the grand scheme of what we know Christmas movies to be, a Christmas story does deal a lot with just like misery too. <laughs> I mean, his you know. writings are just short stories and it, it just kind of pieces together uh, yeah. four or five of his short stories. So it is pretty accurate to his short story, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of edge to it too. I It, it yeah. bums me out that the creator doesn't like the creation as much as I do. Cause that is, a Christmas story is my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. Brett, um, I'm assuming you've seen a Christmas story. Plenty of times. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those movies, at least for me, like I don't remember the first time I saw it. It just always existed. It's you know? always just been on been on in the background of every Christmas family gathering. So it's just kind of like just it's always been there. I couldn't pinpoint the first time I saw it or even the last it's just always on so i'm just kind of like hey yeah it's yeah. it's weird the studio put it out before christmas i think they put it out in october or early november yeah and they pulled it from the theaters before christmas so it was a box <laughs> office bomb so i doubt that i saw it in the theaters like i must have seen it on vhs or maybe you know when it was just running on television as a kid yeah. but it became a thing that you know like for most people was just on all the time so i i watched so many times and i really love that movie a lot well like a lot of christmas classics it was sort of a cult phenomenon where i yeah did not do well upon release and then through replays on tv and home video became a tradition for people um and that also goes for my number one which is also kind of a standard choice, probably one of the most famous Christmas movies of all time. This is my favorite Christmas movie. Um, and this performance would be Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life, um, which was uh, the first film he did after coming back from the war, um, I believe. And uh, he, to this day, well, until his death, he always said George Bailey was his favorite character he'd ever portrayed. And um, I think it's the quintessential Jimmy Stewart character. You know, it's a he's a good hearted, all American man 
uh, boy and a man. We see him as a boy. He grows up to be a man. Uh, and then also like, but with a dark side too, um, with severe depression and uh, like um, violent impulses sometimes, but it's all very rooted in empathy. And um, I just think one of the most lovable characters that's also such a relatable character or at least feels relatable when you're watching the movie um and uh you know if you're talking about somebody with iconic line delivery you know you think of like uh, well what is it you want mary or you, you want the moon well to shave the word and i'll throw a lasso around it and i'll pull it down you know like like it's just that that jimmy stewart stammer and everything it's it's so perfect for that can you character. do a jimmy stewart imitation i maybe one day okay <laughs> I don't know why you did the an imitation of a drowning Muppet. There, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart sounded like a drowning Muppet. Um, <laughs> and then the climax of him just running through town going like, crash, crash, house. Like it's, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've worked on this Jimmy Stewart impression for years, Mike. And, and I think, um, I think you're just a little jealous, frankly. Um, <laughs> That in working on it, you came up with someone strangling Elmo instead. Yeah, yeah, I it's can't. A, I can't. It, it's a wonderful I, imitation. It's it's Don Knotts after a stroke. Is the <laughs> <laughs> that got me? Good, good. Oh wow, that was. We um we actually forced Brett and Tanner to do a Christmas special of the Truthcast with us. Uh, oh, where yeah. the, oh, the yeah. angle was that we kidnapped them and forced them to do a commentary track of the uh, of a Christmas Carol with us. Uh, no, Chris, it's a wonderful life. Oh, it's a wonderful life. Why do I keep calling everything again, a Christmas Carol? We got to do it in person. Well, the truth cast died this year, along with all the characters on the show. No. Yes, I murdered us all. See, Brad, if you were on social media, you would have known. Nope. It's one one good I'd thing. I'd rather be could've... out of the loop and then just have genuine reactions like that. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's be- yeah, it's better. That translated a lot better than just posting n o o o o o o o. I'll remember that more. So. Yeah. 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 I'll remember Brett reacted like Darth Vader did when when Padme <laughs> died. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Alex Bozanovic had to go and have people start recognizing that he's a really good comedian. So he just didn't have time. And then Tim Den Otter had to start a business that started thriving. So he didn't have time. And I had to go and throw a couple of babies at my wife. <laughs> so you sound yeah. a bit like George Bailey. Like, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to chase my dreams. And then I had these kids in this wife. My dreams and, uh... That is a fun impression to do. Well, I, I, I love my kids. Oh, oh, mine may be the worst. Where was I? Yeah, did I yeah. think I had any right to ridicule yours? <laughs> uh, every time I finish recording this, I go like, "I'm going to scrape my heels off this crummy little podcast and see the world." And, uh, it out there, see? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a wonderful life. Jimmy Stewart. Well, I that's realized my if I hadn't been born, then black people would have been allowed to move into town and start a jazz <laughs> club. Where, when I was alive, it was all white. 
Yeah, that's the the, the downside of uh, It's a Wonderful Life is that the alternate universe without George, honestly, slumlords aside, it seems kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> seems kind of fun. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is a movie that will make me cry uh, every time I watch it. Um, a wonderful movie. Yes. It is. It, yes. Yes. It in fact is. Movie. And a side note earlier today, I did watch the new movie, It's a Wonderful Knife which is the slasher movie take on It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it was fine. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Oh, yeah, it just came out. It's it's basically in the tradition of that, uh, like, um, Happy Death Day or Freaky, or mm -hmm. uh, where it's like, instead, it's basically like this girl, uh, one Christmas, killed a, a, a masked killer, um, and then unmasked him and it was Justin Long's character who's like the mayor of the town uh, and then a year later on Christmas she, her life has gone to shit and she's really depressed and then she wish, wishes she'd never been born and so she's put into the universe of what would happen if she's never been born but in that universe the, the killer was never caught and is still at large and so the mayor who's Justin Long he's been getting away with murder for a year and she has to try to find a way to stop him again. <laughs> and it's kind of the plot oh wow is fun. this in the theater or is this i think it got a limited run but right now it's streaming on shutter that's how i saw it oh wow i mean i i like those kinds of movies um what was the one with um the girl from mad men that just came out oh totally killer yeah i yeah. really like that one too that was fun yeah yeah they're all yeah. cute little fun fun movies yeah um, it's a it's a plot mechanic that i enjoy almost every time yeah remake more classic movies as slasher films i think that's a fun formula yeah oh maybe we should um keep that in mind for our pitch at the end yes that might actually it. work with my pick so or my okay. Okay. suggestion so i'm all for okay yeah. brett who's your number one actor uh who's performed in a christmas film I don't know if it's my number one, but it's the most recent of my choices. And I just kind of want more people to go see it. So I'm going with Dominic Sessa in The Holdovers. Yeah. Which, yeah. Mike, have you seen that yet? No. It's an Alexander Payne movie mm -hmm. uh, starring uh, Dominic Sessa. Well, it stars Paul Giamatti and Dominic Sessa. Now, yeah. Paul Giamatti's incredible, and it might be my favorite performance by him, but I got to give a shout out to Dominic Sessa just because this is his first movie. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. Now, the thing I liked about, like, um, I mean, that dynamic of, you know, you know the uh nerdy sort of curmudgeon teacher and this rebellious kid. It's like, we're not so different, you and I both. But the thing about this kid is like he's towing this line of being so likable yet so unlikable at the same time because yeah. you, you're trying to figure out like what's his deal because you can tell he's kind of a troubled kid throughout the movie. But as it goes on and you start to see just kind of why he is the way he is, you would understand why he is kind of messy in terms of like, you know, how you feel about him as a character like there's no clear cut like I love this kid I hate this kid it's just as it goes on you're just kind of like yeah he would a kid like this would probably make these decisions and act out this way based yeah. on circumstances I'm being vague because I don't want to spoil anything in the movie yeah no please don't I've been reading yeah. a lot of good things about holdovers and yeah if this yeah. is his first movie I think this kid's going to be a big star like he's fantastic in it yeah it's I'm a great movie 
I'm going to do this as an opportunity for us to do our rival uh, Paul Giamatti imitations. Do you think uh, Paul Giamatti said to him on set, uh, 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 hey, you're going to go far? Nope, nope, nope. We're going <laughs> to bail on this right, right out of the gate. He almost has this weird Joker-ish quality to his voice. I can't quite. I'm I'm stuck in a bad Jimmy Stewart trying to yeah. do a bad Paul Giamatti. Oh, he, he does sound if, a little. Yeah, go ahead. He's he is a little bit like Heath Ledger's Joker, yeah. the voice the, of Paul Giamatti. I'd say I'm not going to try it, but yeah, that's if, my if, analysis. Coward. Why yourself? See, then maybe maybe you'll be able to graduate this year. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's oh, your Paul Giamatti's like, not terrible. It's not that. Thank you, but it's like it's tough because it is still like how he sounds all the time. Like it's yeah. not like it sounds like I'm trying to be over the top, but he just kind of is that expressive when he speaks. Yeah. So I, don't I, know. I find the world a bitter and complicated place. I, I'm just doing Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. I can't even. <laughs> I got cast in a movie where I play a literal piece of shit. You want to <laughs> know how I got this role? <laughs> um, no, I love the holdovers. I, I think that movie is destined to be a, a Christmas classic. Uh, yeah. And definitely. um, yeah, Dominic Sesta is incredible. And a, a whole trio of amazing performances in that movie with Paul Giamatti and Divine Joy Randolph and then him. And it's so easy for that role of like the rebellious kid who you have to learn to understand. So often they're just annoying or they're just, you just never feel the empathy that you need to feel, but they're one dimensional usually. Yes. But he's so well-rounded like from the beginning. And um, there is without spoiling anything, there's a scene later in the film that he has with a family member is all I'll say. And it's, that scene like destroyed me just incredible like subtle like subtle and realistic acting on his part in that scene i think yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing it now that i in addition to reading good things about it liking the trailer but having an endorsement from both of you makes me really really want to see it would be johnny brett's stamp of approval yeah it would be a great matinee like uh date night with uh allison for sure yeah, I think yeah. You, I think it's a very cozy movie. You feel a lot of things, but at the end of the day, you feel cozy watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, rounding us out. Who's your last pick? My last pick. I am doing sort of like the Brett thing and going chronologically the most recent movie of mine to come out. This is, um, and I could have segued out of this from you talking about a Christmas Carol, talking about theatrical performances, because this is a Broadway star. Uh, doing one of his very few movie roles. That's Ken Page as Oogie Boogie in A Christmas Story or A Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I think it's the best voice acting in the movie. He's one of the few people that does both the speaking voice and the singing voice of the characters. Yeah. And what I think makes him stand out so well is he's one of the few characters that you could listen to the movie without any of the visuals and still kind of get a scope of what Oogie Boogie would look like. You know, just this large, larger than life, creepy thing. And, um, you know, he, he's, like I said, he's a Broadway star. He, uh, originated the role of old Deuteronomy and cats, uh, easily Andrew Lloyd Webber's worst, uh, piece of work but um <laughs> uh yeah i i just think oogie boogie 
whenever he's on screen is just my favorite part of a nightmare before Christmas. Yeah. Oh, he's an incredible character. Very gross too, but like, lovable. yeah. <laughs> and I I'm surprised that besides, uh, I think it's all dogs go to heaven or something like that. Those are the only two animated jobs that Ken page has ever done. And you would think just for how big his voice is and the fact that he can sing too, you would think that, you know, he would be a shoe in for playing large animated roles, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brett, you've seen this film. Of course. Yeah. I've dated women. Of course. Right. 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 We've all, we've all tried to flirt with someone at a hot topic. We've, we've seen this movie. (laughs) <laughs> you guys are so diminishing of my <laughs> fuck you both. <laughs> uh yes, no, I do I love um um oh fuck. I was gonna do a subversive thing and I was gonna not say Tim Burton's oh Henry Selleck. I love Henry Selleck's a nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> is is what I always say. Yeah, it's his movie. Um yes. Yeah, great film. Uh, I I uh, and short too. It's like seventy five minutes. It's like there's no reason not to watch that movie. <laughs> on Christmas yeah, time. it's a it, it's good for like a double feature where you just need to wind down. Like after yeah. a longer Christmas movie, it's a good second movie. To add to also, that. I I want to point out you had talked earlier about the Rankin Bass specials. They were some of it, of an influence on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, or it's not on Nightmare on Elm Street, a Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, where uh, one of the key plot elements of, you know, all of these different towns having their own holidays, uh, like all these holidays kind of being represented by different places, comes from uh, Here Comes Peter Cottontail, which was uh, an old Rankin-Bass cartoon where Peter Cottontail leaves Easter and he starts and he tries like Christmas and other holidays for a while, uh, which I guess had some impact on Tim Burton coming up with that story. Hmm. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so before we get to our pitches, uh, what were do, do we have any honorable mentions we wanted to throw out? Sure. I'll say I um last night we rewatched Tangerine and my double feature, and the two lead actresses in Tangerine are fucking incredible. Like two non-actresses who were cast uh street cast because it's a sean baker film and uh they are just they're like at one point zach bracar looks at me and he just goes like the fact that these aren't like actual actresses like makes their comedic timing all that more insane like yeah funny they are um and i do consider tangerine a christmas film which will blow the diehard truthers out of the water uh (laughs) um right (laughs) i would also say um the the kid um elaine lalan who's the lead from deadly games aka dial code santa claus which... that was one of my honorable mentions oh is it yeah no incredible. he's incredible <laughs> a, a great young kid performance uh mike if you haven't seen it it's uh it came out a year before Not... home alone and it's basically home alone but instead of robbers it's a a serial killer dressed as santa claus or just a killer oh, wow. And this little kid has to protect his grandpa from this killer in his mansion, basically. What, what's this one called again? It's called Deadly Games. It's Deadly a French Game. film. Okay. Dial code Santa? 
Dial Code Santa Claus, I think, is the yeah. alternate title. Yeah, I uh, I did it at uh, a double feature two Christmases ago, um, and it was a huge hit. Everybody loved it. Yeah. It's on I, um, more Shutter, by the way, so it is yeah. streaming somewhere. So uh, speaking of um, Tangerine, I was producing a show at the Comedy Store, and I noticed in Tangerine there are a lot of stand-up comedians. Yeah, Ian so, Edwards. So yeah. No. Yeah, Ian Edwards, Scott Krinsky. Um, that one uh, lady, I forget her name. There's a lady in it. Yeah. <laughs> Gracie recognized her from name. TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, um, I'm going through real quick, trying to see who I had on this. So I, anyway, I did a stand-up show with all people from Tangerine, and I tried to get uh, Sean Baker there, but he was out of the country briefly so uh sean baker and i have been in touch and uh oh. super super cool guy and liked it that i was uh kind of promoting tangerine in a very uh strange way and uh <laughs> uh that was it was shot in the neighborhood that i used to live uh josh sussman is also a stand-up comedian in it uh yeah Scott, from Scott glee Prince. josh sussman that's yeah. how a lot of us knew him uh, Scott Krinsky and I ended up becoming uh, kind of good friends. He was also in Chuck. Uh, and then Ian Edwards and I are uh, pretty tight. Um, but yeah, Tangerine, I wish I had considered that because uh, I probably would have name dropped Ian Edwards or something yeah. for that. Just, uh, but at least I still got an opportunity to name drop Ian Edwards. To Brett's credit, he's the one who recognized Ian Edwards last night watching the movie. You were like, is that oh, Ian okay. Edwards? And we we're like, maybe. And you had to look it up. You're like, either it is or I'm racist. And luckily you were right. No, Gracie said either it is or you're racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your girlfriend's hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, I mean, he's like five foot two and all, <laughs> you know, muscle, zero body fat, you know. <laughs> He's a great uh, stand-up comedian too. Oh, he is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um. What, did you guys have any honorable mentions? I did. Uh. Uh. Alfre Woodard in Scrooged. I think oh, in yeah. a movie full of over-the-top cartoonish performances. Uh. And Bill Murray not really delivering on, you know, trying to be the heart at the end of the movie. <laughs> I think. Uh. It is all her. You know. I. I think she does such a great job. Uh, Zach Ward as Officer Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story Christmas. I think he gives a pretty good. He only really has one scene in the movie, but I think his scene is really good. Uh, Carol Kane in Scrooge. I think. Yeah, I was about to mention her <laughs> every second of that and enjoyed beating the shit out of Bill Murray. And <laughs> because Allison incorrectly thought I don't like this actress. Uh, I think she is fantastic. Uh, Zoe Deschanel and Elf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my Elf honorable and... mentions was just going to be basically the rest of the cast in Elf. Hilariously enough, Artie Lang. <laughs> yep, of course. Yeah. Yep. No, more specifically, Will Ferrell and uh, God damn it, I'm blanking on the dad's name. He passed. James Con. James Con. R.I.P. James Con. And Asner. Bob Hope is really good in that too. Yeah. Yeah, Bob yeah, Hope. This was also because like uh. If you've ever seen like the movies that made us, this is before uh, studios thought Will Ferrell could be a leading man. And then thankfully, uh, you know, old school came out and it made a lot of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and it proved that, you know, Will could carry a movie. 
I, I remember do wanna, uh, Johnny in your interview with Richard Riley when he talked about Ed Asner uh, always yeah. beating him out for Santa Claus roles. He he said to me he was like, "I if Ed turned it down, then they'd call me." <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> but yeah, Ed Asner. Then actually, I want to issue a correction. It wasn't Bob Hope. It was Bob Newhart. Uh, Bob Newhart. A, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bob Hope was a rapist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bob Newhart. And, nah. <laughs> and Mary Steenburgen too. In that. Oh film. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, since this is a right wing podcast, I almost forgot to mention my boy, Randy Quaid from Christmas vacation, but, uh, incredible, uh, <laughs> he is great. Classic. Yeah. 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 And I also agree with all of his opinions on everything. So, you know, that's well, you really know, good. and also to, you know, keep with, um, you know, right wing views on minorities chevy chase is really good in christmas vacation as well too <laughs> yeah 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 um brett don't tell tanner i said that oh I, we don't live together anymore <laughs> oh okay yeah he'll never know it's not because um, he moved on to bigger better things i kicked him out because we're different yeah but you're still best friends you said yeah 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 no i was making a bad joke and it just went south <laughs> oh you mean you're different in that yeah, I, when he said he wanted to move in, I saw the name Tanner. I thought he was white. So, yeah, yeah. understandable, understandable. Um, Thank so, God the three of us are white, right, guys? <laughs> the the two and a half of us, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Oh God, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry what? you had to find out this way, Brett. What are what's your other half? <laughs> uh, woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh now this i knew there was some i knew there was something delicate about you <laughs> and something beautiful i knew i was yeah i knew i was attracted to you for some reason we're actually remaking tangerine starring brett um, nice <laughs> perfect tangerines too uh I don't know. It'd be a different fruit. It would just be like grapefruit or something <laughs> can i play the james ransone role uh no, no, no! You're gonna be the Clue Gulager role uh, in oh. Tangerine. No, no, no! You can be James Ransom. That's fine. Or can I be the uh, taxi cab driver that? Hit? <laughs> yeah, the, the Armenian taxi driver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be the lady who owns the donut shop who calls the cops uh, since she's the, the only Asian in the film. That'll be me. I believe, and I may be incorrect now, but I believe that donut uh, donut shop is now. Um, Danny Trejo's tacos. Oh, no kidding. But I, I'm not 100% positive, but I'm like a solid 72% positive. We should okay. remake the movie, but that recreate that scene. It's just at Danny Trejo's tacos and he's the guy working. Yeah. He's that the guy works. calling the cops. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, we want to get to our pitches for actors for our fictional Christmas film. Um, which we're already kind of getting the ball rolling on now. Does not have to be a remake of Tangerine, obviously, could be. Um, also, uh, could potentially be a slasher twist on a classic film. But um, actors that we think should be in a Christmas movie, this is one based on sort of an idea I had when I was like in high school and I had an idea for a Christmas movie. Uh, and the lead actor in my potential movie that I just stuck to today uh, is Malcolm McDowell who Ooh. I picture playing an Ebenezer Scrooge-esque character. 
Um, and I also think Malcolm McDowell is a guy who deserves like a like a good movie. Like he's he's you know one of the legendary like living actors. He's he's the 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 lead actor of A Clockwork Orange and like If those great Lindsay Anderson films and everything. And now he's like a guy that shows up in like direct to video horror movies and like a like a, a you know supporting role or a cameo. And I think uh, giving Malcolm McDowell a theatrically released film at Christmas time would be uh great for him. And uh yeah, that's that's going to be my pick. I he is insanely funny too. Uh Gilbert Gottfried yes. had him on and I think whatever we end up coming up with for the story, we need to have some sort of opportunity for him to show that he isn't just this intense dude, he's also a very funny guy too. Yeah, well have you ever seen I remember what for somehow I got into watching like behind the scenes documentary on Rob Zombie's Halloween. And in mm-hmm. that movie, uh, Mal- Malcolm McDowell is playing Dr. Loomis. And so he's got to be very serious and foreboding. And, and he's, he, he's just the guy warning people about Michael Myers and in the behind the scenes and like the bloopers, he's just cracking jokes. Like there's a whole bit where he's just riffing and making up lines in this scene with Sherry Moon zombie and she's cackling and you're like, he is a, he's a funny guy and he's quick. And uh, to give him that, uh, that, you know, to give him that ability or the, just the chance to kind of flex his chops a bit more besides just being a dramatic guy, I think would be great. Okay. Uh, Brett, who's your pitch? So this like drove me nuts because I had like four ahead of this one, but I would I just upon research found out they either did independent films that were Christmas related or just whatever. So I did a little bit of deep diving and I don't think she's ever done a Christmas movie. I'm going with Kristen Connolly. Oh, okay. Most people probably know from the cabin in the woods. Um. Mm. I don't know. She, for some reason, when I saw her in Cabin of the Woods, I was like, okay, we've seen her in like more serious roles, but she banters well with like, you know, comedic characters like Marty the Stoner, who went on to write a movie. Like she, uh, there's something very elfy about her too. And I mean that in a, like a good way. I can see her in like the typical heart, like Hallmark Christmas sort of rom com movie. And she's the love interest. We've seen her do well in like sort of like a horror setting, obviously. But I think it's like she's like some people have heard of her, but I think like I think she's more talented than, you know, some of the roles she's been given or like what her filmography would suggest. And I think something like a Christmas movie could maybe make her more accessible to a lot of people to see what she can do. And that's basically the gist of what i think and also you know i just am a, personally a fan of hers and i really did enjoy her leading performance in cabin in the woods yeah cool I yeah like it. she's she's great in that movie and she's uh I, I don't know if i've seen her in a lot of other stuff but that's the thing too she's in the happening for like nine seconds and every time she gets asked <laughs> about it she just tries to pretend that didn't happen oh yeah isn't she in like the first scene yeah she's on the park bench <laughs> yeah uh mike who's oh and b- by the way i do also want to issue another correction i just looked it up because i never actually cared to look this up malcolm mcdowell has been in, in one christmas movie uh <laughs> which is the remake of silent night deadly night which was just called silent night um i'm still gonna count him because this is my podcast but i want to apologize to all the loyal listeners out there who have trusted me for so long 
Uh, anyway, that being said, Mike, uh, go ahead while I sit here in shame. I am very disappointed in you. <laughs> very, very disappointed in you. I'm not movies anymore. No. Luckily, Brett and I, we are movies. We, plural, are, are movies. <laughs> uh, I just finally uh, got a chance to watch the Barbie movie. So I am going with Ryan Gosling. He, uh, I think, can do absolutely anything. And I figured based on whoever you guys picked, I wanted someone who was versatile enough that he could do, you know, drama. He could do comedy. He he can sing and dance. And he's just going to be 100% committed to whatever we put him in. And, you know, I, I know it's not a super popular opinion. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he steals the Barbie movie, but uh, I think he gets the two best songs for me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed him in that. I've been a Ryan Gosling fan for a while. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I Another guy with amazing comedic chops who rarely gets to show it like yeah he, do, he does yeah. it in barbie he does it in the nice guys uh but yeah for the most part is kind of typecast as a stoic character but mm -hmm. uh no like he he has a lot of range ryan gosling True story yeah. uh, ryan gosling was gonna be one of my picks but i thought the nice guys would count as christmassy enough that i oh <laughs> so. yeah you're oh man no, it's fine. The, no, the Christmas I'm on the just hook comes as in. much as I'm no longer disappointed. Here's the thing. That's why I was like, I was like, how strict are we with this? Because like, I thought Kristen Connolly would get uh, like, you know, the the diehards of the podcast would hate that pick. But I was like, I got to think of somebody who I'm pretty certain no attachment to anything Christmassy. Yeah, I, I kind so. of just I was pretty liberal with that rule where I was just like kind of avoiding anybody who's an obvious like obviously you wouldn't pick Will Ferrell, you know, yeah. or something like that. But like, I don't know if it was somebody who technically has had one or two, but we don't think of them as a Christmas movie actor like Candace well, Cameron. Right? I will say, to be fair, you picked an old guy and then we picked two like younger, attractive people. Like, I yeah. think there's a lot to work with here. There yeah. is a lot to work with here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to lean more towards comedy. Yeah. But I also like the idea of doing some sort of like slasher remake or slasher fi or horror fi something. Uh, can, can I throw out a pitch here? I'll just give you the bare bones of this pitch and then see if you guys want to punch it up or if you want to throw it out completely. Okay. Um, but my little idea is it's it's Christmas Eve. Malcolm McDowell is a an Ebenezer Scrooge-like character, right? Um, and Ryan Gosling is uh, maybe a well-meaning but bumbling um, criminal. And he's decided to, on Christmas Eve, kidnap Malcolm McDowell's daughter, who's Kristen Connolly, uh, and, on, and uh, try to get, you know, a whole bunch of money from him because uh, he's a super rich business owner. And we could kind of make it a, a Christmas Carol like experience where uh, Malcolm McDowell learns to appreciate life and his family. And maybe at the same time, there's this bumbling like Fargo ass kidnapping story between uh, Gosling and Kristen Connolly. Um, that's my that's my bare bones kind of idea at the moment. 
Okay. It is more like, yeah, it is, it's got kind of a horror, it's almost more like thrillery crime than I would say, like, I would, like, straight horror. It's I mean, not really the, horror, no. Yeah, I mean, maybe because Malcolm McDowell is most people associate with horror, maybe they may, might make that connection, but, hmm. Yeah. If you guys have a horror pitch, we could, yeah, we could try that. Or if you, or if you have a maybe a classic Christmas movie, we would want to redo in a horror way. What if it was sort of a spin on the Elf thing, and because, like Brett said, Kristen Connolly has sort of an Elf-like quality to her. What if she's someone who believes she's a Santa Elf, and she? is holding Malcolm McDowell and Ryan Gosling prisoner like so put basically her in your Ryan Gosling role mm. but then what's the relationship between Malcolm McDowell and Ryan Gosling oh Malcolm McDowell and Ryan Gosling uh we could make them um, estranged father and son. And so through this experience, they become closer again, but it's a traumatic experience where Kristen Connolly is potentially an insane person who thinks she's an elf. Yeah. 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 As opposed to actually being one with like these cartoony elements, it's just a mentally ill person who still attaches themselves to Christmas in this really unhealthy way. Yeah. Maybe it's this all in one night. I'm picturing almost like the plot is like collateral where she takes them hostage and they have to bring her to multiple houses throughout the night because she believes that she's delivering presents, but Ooh, maybe yeah. has her own sort of fucked up MO that she's doing, you know? Yeah. And and maybe like Malcolm McDowell has sort of like um like a James Kahn uh connection to to Christmas as well. Well, James Conn is just like a book publisher, isn't he? In Elf? yeah, yeah. Okay, I so here's here's maybe what I'm thinking. I uh, Malcolm McDowell, sort of a, a James Conn esque, you know, Scrooge esque kind of, um, you know, detached from his family, very into work. Maybe for Christmas, for the first time in forever, uh, Gosling is trying to come see him. And um, uh, they're trying to spend time together. And in the first act, it's like things are just automatically going wrong. And he and Gosling go out in a car together um, to do something. They're going to pick up a Christmas tree or something. And they're getting in an argument because they haven't spent time together in a long time. Right. And then finally, or then they're intercepted by Kristen Connolly, who's this crazy lady who thinks she's an elf. Then we get our collateral story where she's forcing them to take her to all these houses where she believes it's like she's giving all these presents on Christmas Eve, where in reality what she's doing is she's like entering homes of people she spied on and killing people, like killing who she thinks are bad parents and stuff like that. And then maybe in the climax in the final confrontation she decides she wants to kill malcolm mcdowell and there's a heartwarming moment where ryan gosling has to be like no don't i love my dad and it's like uh this like even though he's flawed i i love him and i don't want him to be dead and uh I don't know, i'm trying to kind of thematically connect all these pieces a little bit i don't know 
There is something to the idea of her kidnapping them to like deliver presents. But like at first, it's just like a crazy person. Like, okay, we'll roll with this, you know, for a bit. And then like at a certain point in the that process, like they get to like the third or fourth house, she actually kills someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like it could do that sort of like from dusk till dawn. Like, oh, we thought we were watching some weird, quirky comedy. What the fuck? Yeah. Like. If that yeah. is like the thing where people are like, don't ruin the movie for other people who haven't seen it yet, because you yeah. think you're going to get one sort of like crazy, it's almost like comedic- better watch out kind of. Yeah, yeah. Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could yeah. see like there could be like a Shane Black level of like uh, like quirkiness to it, though. Because, like, if you watch, like, a lot of his movies, there's, like, some of the violence is, like, it, it's so left field and just kind of happens by, like, a, you know, misunderstanding. Yeah. That I think, I think something, I don't know, would it be a completely serious or would it be, like, a half, like, a dark comedy at that I'm point? picturing it being, like, a dark comedy. Yeah, like, like, tonally, like, barbarian. Yeah, something in the same. And then yeah. in the climax of the movie... Um, after uh, Gosling and uh, McDowell team up against her and they put aside their differences. Um, uh, it turns out that was her mission all along. And then uh, Richard Reilly as Santa Claus lands in his sleigh and then she flies off with him. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole thing gets undone. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah sort of like, a, you know, the uh, Christmas. Um, oh, it's a wonderful life type thing, you know. Yeah, it teaches them not to hate and like, you know, they see her intervening in these other situations and ultimately killing people and they're like, wait, that's not what we want. We want to be closer to the people that we're estranged from, you know, and yeah. fix these relationships as opposed to, you know, killing them off and separating ourselves. All right. So what are we calling this? I feel like it needs to um, have some sort of like... It's a wonderful life or death. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Go elf yourself. Wonderf- I wish it's a wonderful knife wasn't already taken. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what other movies are we riffing on here? It's pretty much like Elf and It's a Wonderful Life, right? And Collateral. And Collateral. <laughs> collateral. Mm. Collateral. It's a collateral life. No. Uh, <laughs> collateral. Funny. Yeah. Um, collateral you should be both proud and ashamed of yourself we are <laughs> hmm, the nightmare before christmas has that been taken before it's a wonderful knife <laughs> i think here's what we do since it's one of those movies where the second half is kind of a surprise what if we just give it a normal christmas movie title that could like be, yeah like silent night deadly night yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. like that. I don't think that's been taken. It definitely hasn't been taken five separate times. Silent let's just call knife? it silent. Let's just call it Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Six. Silent we'll just knife? make it a sequel. Silent Knife. Oh yeah, there we go. That's kind of fun. Silent yeah. Knife. Yeah. I mean that that will tell people what the movie is. But how about Naughty yeah. or Nice? Naughty or Nice. There we go. It's Naughty vague enough. Naughty, Naughty or, or Knife. <laughs> Let's just keep putting knife in. <laughs> <laughs> Collater knife. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I think we have a good story, though. I think this is a good plot. I think. Yeah. Uh, I love our cast. 
Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, this is up to uh, uh, Universal to uh, Greenlight. Universal, yeah, I guess. Do they own Elf? I, nah, I don't think so. No, okay. but uh, well, oh, it's fine. It's fair use. It's parody. Luckily, we have our Richard Really in, and I'm sure yes. that he has enough clout that he can have a movie greenlit. Let's text up Richard. Let's <laughs> yeah. Let's get him in on this. Yeah, yeah. And I All know right. Ian Edwards. We can have Ian Edwards have a role in it. I'm sure between the star power of Ian Edwards and Richard Really. <laughs> I have Ian's number. You probably have Richard Reilly's number. I, I love the idea of a movie uh, headlining the stars Ian Edwards and Richard Reilly, and you go to see it, and they're barely in the movie, and it turns out the stars are Ryan Gosling and Malcolm McDowell, and you're like, "What the fuck? I was I was wrongly sold on this film." Yeah, <laughs> Brett, what's the biggest uh, celebrity phone number you have? Mark Norman. Probably, but let me see, because I've met a bunch of comics just in my lifetime. His number might have changed, but I did. I might still have Hannibal Burris's number. Oh. Okay, well, yeah, we can have Hannibal in this, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he plays a bumblebee in The Nice Guys. He does. Yeah. Ooh. What if, like, Hannibal Burris and Ian Edwards were cops trying to, like, always just one step behind? Like Hannibal Burris was a cop in Neighbors, so he can be a cop. Okay, and Ian Edwards is, uh, if you don't know him, seems like a dick. <laughs> He's not famous, but can we somehow weasel Stuart Huff into this movie for two? Oh, seconds? absolutely! I think Stuart Huff is one of the most underrated comedians. Let's yeah, let's give Huff a nice little. Let's like make him like a curmudgeonly old guy. Like, what's going on down here? And then he gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we got something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like this. We've done the... Uh, can we just have Sean Baker uh, direct it then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ian knows Sean Baker, so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I, I, I want to see Sean Baker do something really um, big and commercial. Yeah, yeah. I want to see him get swept up by the Marvel machine and never get to make an original movie again. I think that would be... No, I'm kidding. I'm just being sarcastic. <laughs> but no, I would like to see him do something big and commercial. Luckily, I think he's headed... I mean, you know, Florida Project had Willem Dafoe in it. That was a bigger movie. It got nominated yeah. for Oscars. And then Red Rocket was sort of a big deal. So, you know, I think the, the biggest thing holding him back is that he just doesn't work with that many established actors. So... He's probably never going to work with like a Ryan Gosling. He probably likes too much working with street casted people and kind of interesting character actors, you know? Yeah. Which is fine. That's his, that's his MO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean Baker, well, then, if you're listening, you made one of the greatest Christmas movies. Let's Sorry. force him to make this movie then. We're, we're going to hold him at knife point. <laughs> mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll get him to do it. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, I, I One thing I want to do is I think I'm going to try a, one of these days, make a bunch of movie posters for all the fictional films we pitched on this podcast. I think that would Ooh. be. Ooh, that would be great. That would be fun. Just Photoshop. Dude, you just gave me a great idea for a podcast. It's you pitch a movie like it's just basically I'm sure it's been done, but you just like the whole podcast is coming up with a movie and then like after you do the podcast you released a limited edition of the poster of the mock-up of it yeah 
That'd be and, and especially if it's comedians riffing, the poster could just be insane by the end of it. Just the the yeah. wild ideas everyone. Yeah, just have the guy who does my posters just do like an animated version of one or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I've been sitting on this idea for quite some time. I, I might have mentioned it to you guys before, but one of the many ideas for podcasts I've had is uh, I'm just trying to figure out the gameplay element of it. And uh, I, I guess this is uh we are movies exclusive, although I probably mentioned Ooh. it a year ago too. Uh battle of the blockbusters. And it would be like taking teams of like two comedians. Like I always imagined you two as a team and then, you know, like another team of two comedians and we have like um, like regular people playing as the contestants and I interview them and try to figure out like what kind of movies they like and then just kind of throw in like wild cards too and then have both teams of comedians pitch a movie and then it, and I'm trying to figure out the point system, like have the person decide which one they would like most, but then also have an audience vote on which mm. one they would be more likely to see. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I still have to figure out the gameplay mechanics. I've thought of it as a live show and I've thought of it as a podcast. And uh, during COVID, I thought of it as like a video content type thing but uh one day i'll figure out how to make it work and uh you guys will be a uh a team to uh i'd love to fictional movie magic Sounds fun. yeah um side note i think the best podcast idea i've heard from you is uh you were thinking a while back about uh a uh, a character actors podcast is that something you'd still be interested in or do you yeah but <sighs> Um, it's been done yeah. and it's one of those things that I really like coming up with the idea of doing a podcast that no one has ever done before. Yeah. Just trying my spin on a podcast that has been done. There's a guy out of, um, uh, Louisville who gets a lot of, um, character actors. He actually got Randy Quaid's daughter from a Christmas story or, or a national Christmas, vacation. Christmas vacation yeah. on recently. And um, uh, he does a really good job of finding people. And I, I would rather listen to his podcast than try to basically do what he does. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody's doing these kinds of podcasts. That's why I'm very proud of <laughs> what we've done here. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. nobody's done competing uh, Paul Giamatti impressions that were all bad. I'm sure we're the the first ones. To I do don't that. know. Brett's was good. I, I think Brett's was decent. Uh, competing uh, Jimmy Stewart's. I think we... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying, trying to find the name of that podcast that I uh, um was praising. Well, speaking of plugs, I mean, you're, you're plugging somebody else's thing, uh, which is good. Uh, but also, I think we both, both of you guys have something to plug. This will be up uh, tomorrow. So, uh, oh, wow. Brett, Brett, there's a comedy rumble on yes. Tuesday. Yes, uh, our six-year anniversary show. 
Yay! You're, you're yeah, doing this at the you. Comedy Castle, aren't you? Yep, we're at the Comedy Castle. Johnny's actually competing. So be fun. This is uh, one of those best of the best shows. We invited back basically every winner. You know, not everyone could do it, but if you've ever been like a multi-time finalist too, uh, like like we've basically invited be- back the best people we possibly could. Uh, Alex Bozanovic and John Mahar are judging. And if you don't know, they're the two guys who gave me a shot at Sellerman's. So, you know, they get nice. trying to give them their flowers as much as possible. Uh, Brad Wenzel's doing the closing spot while we tally up votes. That'll be fun. And Mike, I can show you this because I just showed it to Johnny yesterday. We have uh, our poster done for the uh, Traverse City Comedy Festival edition of the show. And it's based Ooh. off uh, one of me and Johnny, and I'm sure your favorite movies. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, wow. It's yeah. amazing. The thing. Yeah, you can barely see it, but the only difference is uh, this guy's doing a mic drop. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. but I uh, love that so much. Yeah, this one, I think I'm actually going to get like poster prints and give them out to whoever wants them. I would that's get that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That is really fantastic. Thank you. But uh, that's the only thing I have to plug. Okay. And Mike, you uh, have an album that just came out. Yep. My album, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. I was there uh, when you recorded it. You were. Uh, there's actually a reference to you. Uh, you are name dropped in one of the tracks. Oh. Uh, well, now so, I have to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, am I hurt that you haven't already? Yeah. But I'm sure Johnny has. I've oh. I've I've listened to a, a chunk of it. I still need to finish it. Well, yeah. I will plug it in the uh, on my comedy rumble pages because it's very comedian and comedy fan centric on there. Yes. Yeah, I like Johnny's endorsement. It, it's a album that you uh, can put down. <laughs> <laughs> Once I'm done yeah, with it, I started listening to it, but 56 minutes—that's way too long. I'm also. Um, co-hosting the great lakes confidential podcast so a lot of the uh research that i have to do for that uh i tend to do in podcast form if possible because it's so much easier than uh doing research myself i can listen to other people do research and then do research based on what they've already determined um but i I do want to plug i just did a two-part episode on uh, Matt Anthony Wayne, who um, Wayne State University, Wayne County, Wayne the City, Wayne Road, uh, Fort Wayne, both the Fort Wayne in Indiana and the historic Fort Wayne in Detroit are all wow. named after. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Matt Anthony Wayne is a batshit crazy story um, that involves um, uh, grave desecration a potential ghost story possible murder uh election fraud um just all sorts of like crazy stuff that so many things in michigan are named after so um because he was not a good guy did not have um great views on um slaves or native americans uh, it was really hard to try to make his story entertaining. So uh, the style I went with is sort of like a drunk history type thing. Uh, nice. uh, but I think I make it a pretty entertaining story that I hope people listen to. Um, that is strangely the most successful podcast I've ever been a part of. Uh, I 
don't know why, but it has uh, more listeners than every comedy podcast I've ever created uh, added together. So Great Lakes Confidential, in addition to my comedy album, so long and thanks for all the fish. Beautiful. Well, thank you again, guys, as always. Uh, This is one of my, we were talking about how, movies have become a great christmas tradition in america and for me my number one tradition is talking about those movies with you guys so uh appreciate you doing this as always oh of course i am really looking forward to finally watching black christmas tonight i hope yeah. it's streaming on shutter or something easy for me to do but i will even pay money to watch it on amazon if i have to if it's not on shutter it's on peacock as well i believe oh okay cool it's somewhere i know for a fact it's streaming because i've watched it a couple times okay i'll be looking for your letterbox review mike welcome